Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Good morning, everyone. I'm pretty sure that if I start this next sentence, you can all finish it. Are you ready? Our Father who art in heaven... Right. The first words of a very familiar prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, suggested by Jesus to his followers in Matthew chapter 6 and the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. Today, however, we're in the Gospel of John chapter 17, and we have the chance to hear a different Lord's Prayer, one not suggested by Jesus, but importantly, prayed. Prayed by Jesus directly to his Father in heaven. In this Lord's Prayer today, we get to hear Jesus' vision of the church, Christ's church. Now, you may remember back in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, Jesus makes an announcement to Peter and to all the other disciples. He says, I'm going to build my church. He didn't say, I'm going to build your church, Peter, or Philip's church, or Allison's church, or go ahead and put your name in theirs, church. He said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church, and it's going to be good. So good, there's nothing, in fact, even the gates of hell that will prevail against it. So today in, G- in Scripture, we hear from Jesus about the vision of his church, the big picture In his prayer, Jesus first prays for himself. Father, he says, glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Then Jesus prays for his followers, and not only his followers then, but also his followers eventually and now, all those who do and will believe in him. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. So, yes, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is praying for us. 2,000 years ago, we were on Jesus' prayer list. You know, the St. James prayer list gets rotated, updated, modified all the time. It can bring us comfort then to know that if we mispronounce someone's name or accidentally leave someone off the list for a week, we've been covered Jesus prays for his church. Here's some good news. We are Jesus' church. We are his church. And this is what Jesus is saying. My church is intended to glorify God, and my church is intended to witness to God's glory, to glorify God and to witness to God's glory. There's one pair of words used more than any others in John chapter 17, all of which is Jesus' prayer. The words are glory and glorified. In verse 22, Jesus says, All the glory you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one. As his church, we are called by Jesus to glorify God. In Greek, the word glory is doxo, a word which means to make renown, to make famous, or to form a good opinion of. Look at how Jesus uses it that very way, just in verse 4. I have glorified you 
on the earth. In his prayer, Jesus is saying, and I paraphrase, Father, I have pointed towards you. I have focused attention on you. And not only have I done that, but now I have passed that same primary goal to my followers. We are Christ's followers, and we focus attention on God, of course, when we come together, when we worship, right now, as we sing hymns, as we reflect on Scripture, as we meet at the table, as we offer our sincere praise and prayer, we are pointing to God, we are declaring together that God is worthy, that God is valuable, and that we are ever so grateful to be Christ's church here on earth. If you think about it, worship is really the one exercise we do where God gets all of the attention, where the focus is off of us and completely on Christ, if it's true worship. That's not the case in most other meeting places. At Rotary Club, God is not the star of the show. At the Country Club, God is not number one. And I'll bet in your meetings and at work, sometimes even a meeting here at church, God takes a back seat to the work at hand, the business agenda, our agenda, whatever that may be. So yes, there are plenty of gatherings where God is not at the center. However, St. James, we have a true north, and that is to glorify Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when we meet together, when we gather in this place, it allows us to magnify God uniquely. There is no comparison to being in worship together. Now hold that thought for just a moment, because Jesus also says, my church is intended to witness to God's glory. Wonderfully, we're given opportunities every single day beyond these four historic and beautiful walls to witness to God's glory. That is affirmed by Jesus in our other scripture reading this day. He's just about to ascend into heaven, He's promised that advocate, the Holy Spirit, to come for the work of the church, and he tells his followers this, his last words to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which by the way includes Wilmington, North Carolina. He didn't say that last part, but it is true. It is true, Jesus left this earth and charged his faithful to be witnesses to God's glory. What an honor. What an honor for us to actually participate in the work of Christ to the glory of God the Father. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and think, how even to begin today, or how to begin again to be a faithful witness to God's glory, to bring glory to God. But then I often remember, I know all of you, and I see you all. I see you witness every day in Bible studies, with small group gatherings, with our our women's episcopacy, the grief group, the bread breakers, EFM, the men on the mission, the ECW, the list goes on and on. But most importantly, in all of the ordinary tasks of your daily lives, work and play and civic involvement and volunteer opportunities and all of these seemingly ordinary things, You can and you do witness to God's glory. Truly, honest work and relationships that help care for this world and for the people that God loves so much contribute to the witness and the glory about which Jesus is talking and praying today.
So back to our worship together. Martin Luther once wrote this, at home, in my own house, there's no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. A multitude gathered together. Can we glorify God alone? Yes, I think so. And we all know that Jesus promised that even when two or three are gathered together in his name, he would be in the midst of them. He would be there being glorified. But as I said earlier, when we meet together, when we worship together in this place, it allows us to magnify God uniquely. And there is no comparison. I'll say to you that I love on Sunday mornings the 8 a.m. Sunday service, the majesty of that right one language, the solemnity of the gathering. I love our 9 a.m. worship service, children, families, singing, energy. I love the 11.15 service with the chance to hear more of God's word and singing, a different and beautiful energy, sometimes with different choir members at that service. But when we are all gathered together, oh my, we know what that experience is like in shared worship. I felt it on Welcome Sunday. I felt it on the morning of our annual meeting. I felt it on Palm Sunday. And I heard from many of you who felt it as well. So this morning, I want to invite you into a decision made with intent to glorify God first and foremost. And I would ask, as I share this, that you prayerfully open your hearts and your minds to trying a new time frame for our Sunday morning worship together. Beginning with our fall welcome Sunday on September 8th, I am calling for us to bring together our 9 a.m. and our 11 a.m. worshiping communities together to maintain our traditional right one service at 8 a.m., breakfast at 8.30, Christian formation from 9 to 9.45, and then one worship service together at 10.15 a.m. And I'll say this right now. I know in respect that change can be difficult, constant if we're being real, but difficult. That's why I want to share this today, now, many, many weeks to go before our fall schedule commences. And I want to ask you to support this, to share in this change with Jesus as your focus. My friends, the value of worshiping together is powerful, as many of us will fit in these pews at the same time. Let's see what that is like. I'll call this a trial, firmly in place, though, until our annual parish meeting on January 8th, 2024. And I promise you, there will be many opportunities along the way for reflection, for thought, for feedback, all of which I will openly welcome from you. I hope you trust that I'm not trying to force a change. I do firmly believe that God will show us the way. Jennifer saw a sticker at the YMCA this week which said, quote, 30 minutes of exercise is only 2% of your day. Surely you can do that. It made me think, even with my very limited math skills, I figure that one hour or so of worship on a Sunday morning and an hour of formation as well is a small part of our 168 hours a week. So being together is critical. 
I believe this will be an exciting and worthy and valuable endeavor, a time to inspire, support, and form, and nurture the other 166 hours or so a week we spend as faithful witnesses to Christ in this world because we are Christ's church. So let's continue to glorify God and let's continue to witness to God's glory now and forever. Amen.